I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, August 8, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We got a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about tonight. Here's what I can guarantee. We're going to learn something today. The market was a gap and go. So we gapped up right to or about on the 289.55. That was the first red line that we cited over the last couple of days. The opening price was just above that number. The opening price was 289.62, seven cents over the number. Is that an accident or a coincidence? I don't know. And then what happened? It was basically just a raw brute force How you doing? Let's rally to the upside day. Now, on one hand, nobody here is surprised that we got to 292.50 or above. I, for one, am surprised that we got there today. There's a couple of different things going on. On one hand, it was a pretty violent short squeeze. You have global central bank participation adding liquidity to global markets. How are they all doing it? Who knows? Whatever they tell you, they're doing something different anyway. It doesn't matter how they do it. What matters is it's the bazooka theory. If you think I have a bazooka, I probably don't have to fire it. So no matter what they're doing or not doing, if everybody believes there's a central bank put under the market and they start to drive the market higher and the shorts have to cover, which Buying begets buying. We talk about this all the time. That's exactly what happened. That's why I discuss it ahead of time. But the other thing that's going on is my guess is there's a lot of traders out there across the board, not just ones that are here, but across the board that were shorting the gap at 292.50. Actually, the gap is just slightly higher, but up in that general area, up between 292 and 293, I would suspect there's a lot of traders that went short the market. Now, maybe the market comes right down tomorrow. Maybe it doesn't. I wasn't necessarily convinced today that that was a level that should be shorted upon arrival. Here's what inside the numbers got. Now, I'm not going to go through all the details and maturations of how we got there and all the wordage and all the content in this analysis, but nobody here was surprised either. But we're in the 80-20, but we're in the 20% part of the 80-20. It's not normal that they got up here this quick. What that tells me is likely that wasn't final destination. So here's the story. At 11.45, I'm starting to unpack this a little bit. Talking SPY, here's the deal. They're running for the price discussed. Obviously, they weren't there yet. It became obvious to me, at least. What happens when they get there? Should they waltz right through? And the answer is no, and they didn't waltz right through. We'll get to that later. However, it doesn't mean that they won't push higher later. The point is this. The rocket ride, or as I describe it here, velocity off the low that was made the other night. And the low I'm referring to was in the S&P E-mini futures down around 27.75. That low is a long way from here. It's a lot of points, but the velocity off that low can certainly take the market higher. 
We'll get back to the chart. I'm going to tell you what I think in a moment. The closing price today will be extremely important. Do they finish at or near the highs? Closing the day or even an hour above the gap is bullish under normal garden variety market conditions. This is at 11.45 in the morning. We'll get back to this. Stocks on the move. We had two of those hit target today. SWKS MNST. The morning gap trade hit its target. Z. We're going to take a look at these three charts as we move the ball around the horn. Back in our lane with the spider. Hourly chart. So you can see what's going on here. They open pretty much right on the number from yesterday, the 289.55. It's a gap and go. And where do they go? They go right to the next gap. We're calling it 292.50. The gap is slightly above. But you can see what happened. They race right up there. They stop, but they're not rejected. Have we talked about this before? Yes, we have. What is that telling us? It's telling us it's probably not final destination. I did everything I could inside the numbers to say don't short the market without saying don't short the market. Why is that? Because if I did that, as soon as I hit update, the market collapses. It's my fault that I said don't short the market. And that's just the way it works. I'm teaching. I want you to make your own trading decisions. I'll give you the numbers. I'll give you my thoughts. But you have to pull the trigger. You have to either keep your hands in your pocket or pull the trigger when the trigger should be pulled. But the decision has to be yours. I realize what's out there. I know that there are a lot of services out there that provide what are called trade signals. As soon as you get a text message, you're in the trade, everybody piles in, you either win or you lose, and that's the service. The reality is that's dangerous. Sometimes, by the time you actually execute a trade, the stock might have already moved too much and you don't realize it and you end up with a losing trade. We all know how that works. When you make decisions for yourself, you don't have that problem because you execute the trade at your preferred price, not somebody else's suggested price. We're not looking to pay the suggested retail price. Here's Skyworks. We're looking to pay $75.81 in Skyworks that was on the board before 9 o'clock in the morning. The low of the day is $75.72. It finishes out at $80.36. We didn't pay the suggested retail price. Here are the numbers on Monster Beverage. There were two of them. Whether you bought one, both, average, doesn't matter. You can see where the low of the day is and you can see where it finished out, above $62. It's ridiculous. Zillow, a morning gap trade. Wasn't the same story. Could have got stopped out, could have averaged in. Didn't do what it was supposed to do. It didn't do what the other ones did. But you can't win them all. Some are better than others. We're in the risk business. Sometimes they work out quickly. Sometimes they take a while. Sometimes they don't work. And sometimes we get stopped out and it works anyway and we feel like a fool. It's the market's job to make as many traders and investors feel like a fool as much of the time as possible. That's the way the market works. You traders from inside the numbers, I do appreciate all the messages. I can't respond to them all. It's not necessary, but thank you. I do appreciate you. All right, now let's get back to the daily chart of the SPY, and let's try and put a number on where they're going if they're going to continue higher into the end of the week. Tomorrow's Friday. 
we could get a Friday float. What if they gap higher tomorrow? What if they simply just trade higher tomorrow? Where is the next major area of resistance, whether it's tomorrow or into next week? What is that number? Well, let's remember what we've got going on up above. Remember, we had an old number of 295 and change. What was that number? It was 295.48, which was the low from July 9th. We discussed the reason for that number many times. We discussed it in detail. It was actually a pretty good lesson, I think. So is that number going to be important on the way back up? I don't think so. Why is that? Because the 20-period moving average right above it is too close in proximity. So I'm going to look at the 20-period moving average and say, does this market want to go in a flash from the lows, from the basement, all the way back up to the 20-period moving average, getting as many bulls on board as they can? Get the excitement flowing. Get the blood flowing. Sell ad space. Central banks to the rescue. Everything's fine with China. We're going to have a deal with China. There's nothing to see in Iran. There's no problems in Europe. Just picture the discussion. If you flipped on CNBC and the market was trading up around that 20-period moving average within the next day, two, or three, it would obviously be, once again, what correction? We have to be aware of that. Let's look at the other side for a second. So let's be clear. Let's understand what my expectation is. My expectation is that if we do this, the market's going to get hit again. Even if we do this and it takes a while, the market's going to get hit again from somewhere up here if it even gets that far. That's my working thesis today. However, I have to be aware of where we've come from the lows. We're up over 200 S&P handles from the lows that were made in the futures overnight the other night. That's a derivative of redonkulous, but that's also velocity off the low. So we have to be aware of the other side. What's the other side? Let's talk about it. So we had an up move here after a pullback. The market made new highs. The other side of going all the way down to 275 or lower is that this is just another corrective phase in a continuing bull market. Why isn't that possible? It is possible. I don't necessarily think it's probable right now, but I have to know that it's possible, which is why halfway through the day, I was already signaling to Inside the Numbers members, hey, if we finish on the highs, that's probably not final destination. What I should have did to start the video was play the theme song to the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Here's the futures contract, the 6th of August. When was that? Two days ago. The low was 27.75. We're at 29.40, two days later. Am I expecting, if the market got up to the 20-period moving average within the next day or two, the next trading session or two, am I expecting to take a short trade at that area? Yes, I am. Where am I wrong? If they begin closing above the 20-period moving average, one day, I can give them a mulligan. Two days, I would probably start to get worried. They really have no business being up there. And when I say that, I mean they can get there, and I think they may get there, but they have no business hanging around up there for very long. That is an opinion. That's not from a technical perspective. Same routine in the IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator. The IWM was leading on the upside today up 
more in percentage terms than the spider was. But look where we are. We're just now approaching the moving averages, the 50, and then the convergence of the 100 and the 20. Can they get up through there and back to that trend line? I suppose anything is possible. I'm going to use the SPY as the gauge and that 20-period moving average as the gauge. And by the way, I'm not saying the S&P 500 has to get to the 20-period moving average. What I'm saying is if they get there in the next couple of days, I'm expecting there to be a reaction in the other direction. I would think that would be, at least from a short-term perspective, final destination. But they can certainly turn around and head back down before they get there. I just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. Think of it in degrees of short trade. If I was going to short the market before the 20 period moving average, me, myself, and I would likely wait for a sign and a signal of a trend change. This way, I've got something to trade against. I know where I'm wrong. That trade would likely be taken rather small. However, if in the next couple of days we found the market up near the 20 period moving average just discussed, I'm not sure I'd be waiting for a sign or a signal of anything. That's an area I'm willing to be a participant. I'm willing to be wrong if that were to happen. We're in the risk business. That's a place I'm willing to take on some risk. How about the VIX? Remember we talked about this? We talked about the collapse in volatility. So nobody's surprised to see the amount of points the VIX was down from the highs as the market rises. Not only is the market rising, but as the market's rising, this is a fear gauge, a fear index. So the fear is coming out of the market. That's the volatility getting sucked out of the market. There's different phases of these snapback rallies. There's short covering. There's a missing the boat. There's more short covering. There's I missed the boat. And when you finally get to just buy and sell higher, that's generally the top. There are certainly much more eloquent ways to describe what I just described, but you should get the point. Anything to see down at the transportation department? Not really. Like we said yesterday, all markets are basically trading together. It's all the same market. So when you get these big rallies or big declines, they're all going to follow suit in the same direction, not necessarily to the same magnitude all day, every day, but generally speaking, that's what's happening. What's the first thing that pops out at me on this chart? We closed above the breakdown candle high. What does that mean? Under normal garden variety market conditions, we're going to see the market trade higher. That's what that means to me 80% of the time. 80-20 rule. The Qs, very bullish on the Qs. We were very bullish in the IWM. We were very bullish in the transports. It's the same script. It's unedited. Where's it going? I don't even have to tell you. Wanted to cover Bitcoin for a moment. Somebody asked for Bitcoin. I said I would cover it and then I didn't cover it. So shame on me. So I'm covering Bitcoin. It's in an uptrend. Here's the point. It looks like it's putting in a bull flag pattern. You have this candle here. That could be one of those candles that we all know about. But it looks also like it's putting in a bull flag pattern and you're uptrending. You're above all the moving averages. So it's really a bullish chart, but here's the risk. The risk is you can come all the way back down to the low of this breakup candle by these moving averages, still stay bullish and continue to the upside. That's what buying now has in store in terms of risk. 
but it's in an uptrend, and that's what I see on Bitcoin. What is 10,475 represent? It represents around the price where there's an alert, so I can take a look at Bitcoin if it gets down there. The XLF down at the financial district. Wasn't that interesting the other day? We talked about it. We talked about the fact they missed the gap. Is that bullish? If they miss the gap and they immediately start trading away from it, most of the time it is. How do we know that? Because we talk about it all the time. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time when we see that, it's bullish. Where is the XLF going? If they continue higher, first they're going to that gap that coincides with the 50-period moving average. But where will they close the week? That will be most interesting. I really didn't want to have to pull this back out, but it looks like we're going to have to pull back out the 2747. Where does 2747 come from? It comes from this breakdown candle high. All of a sudden, Friday is tomorrow. We're coming up to 2747. Where will they close the week? Above or below? I'm still not so convinced that it has the importance that it once did, but I will certainly be interested to see where they close the week. Imagine if they closed on 2747. That would be spooky. The SMH, which is a pretty good indicator across the tech sector, Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, filled the gap, finished on the highs. There's nothing to say other than if the market will continue higher, the SMH will continue higher. Where is it headed? You know the answer to that one. It should really just jump off the page at you. We don't have to get there, but it... But at this point, the 20-period moving average can actually seem or feel magnetic to the market. And I'm about at a wind for today. I am going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.